Hi everybody, it's me, Ryan Moffitt from ROTM Radio. Just wanted to take a moment to let you know that you can download ROTM Radio via the Podbean app, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and many, many more. If you cannot find ROTM Radio via your favorite listening podcast app, just go ahead and pull the RSS feed off of ROTMRadio.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the new ROTM Radio, the official podcast of ROTMRadio.com. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Moffat, and with me today, a man who you all know and love as the barber to the stars, Dustin Griffith. hey And also with us today, the best Grand Theft Auto RP player you have ever known, it's just LaQuisha. Uh, greetings, everyone. Greetings. Liqui- <laughs> I have a quick question. Is Go ahead. this is is Laquisha <laughs> is Laquisha like all of Zach's other, you know, terribly disformed and completely <clears throat> monstrosity of people accounts from all his other games? Well, you do realize, yeah, I mean, oh, well, that's right, because you've played Grand Theft Auto with us online before, and you've seen some of his characters. There, it, It's unbelievable Always. the amount of deformity that happens on his characters. Oh, legitimately. So the only reason, I want to give a quick shout-out here, uh, that I even brought that up was... Uh, uh, a friend of ours, uh, Mental Maroon, who uh, plays some Grand Theft Auto RP with us, uh, he, he actually reached out to me and, and said that he enjoyed the show last week and it was pretty cool. And I was asking him some stuff and he goes, and uh, he, he said, yeah, everything sounded good. He goes, uh, but LaQuisha could have sounded better. <laughs> so I was like, yes. So I couldn't, I couldn't resist and had to. Yeah, I heard that. uh had a couple complaints regarding my mic. Uh, well, you know, it happens. <laughs> and Something by a like couple, that. we we mean me and Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The the other host, you gotta get it together. <laughs> yeah, the uh, other two traitors on this show. Yeah, that we allow. we created burner accounts and started sending in. Hey, change his mic. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh man, and that's where half of our downloads came from. <laughs> Uh, change gets done. That's hey, right. we don't tell those things. Breaking. Oh, the fourth that's wall right. We here. can't break the fourth wall. Ah. <laughs> well, speaking of that, so welcome to episode one, everybody. Uh, titled simply Ahsoka. This will be the first. We're going to be talking about the first book ever that we're doing for ROTM Radio, the new show. Woo-hoo! Uh, but before that, um, let me just tell everybody a little bit about uh, how you guys can support ROTM Radio. Uh, you can support ROTM Radio via going to rotmradio.com. If you do any sort of Amazon shopping, ROTM Radio, we've set up a 
uh, Amazon associate account uh, with them. So if you click on the link on the right-hand side of the page, uh, if you're on a desktop or if you click on the menu button uh, via mobile, you'll see a couple links for Amazon. Uh, one of those being the audible.com uh, where you can actually get a free trial for 30 days, uh, get a free audio book with that. Um, and just give them a try. I highly suggest uh, that's the way all three of us actually did this book was through Audible and did the audiobook. So, um, yeah, I think it's a pretty good deal. So just like I said, go to rotmradio.com and click those links if you do any sort of shopping, and it helps out the show. Uh, we appreciate it. Gentlemen, uh, so how was everybody's week? Oh, great. Well, um, yeah, it's been amazing. <laughs> I'll have to say, uh, you know, we've just been kind of chilling. Uh, you know, uh, both Ryan and I, uh, our wives are having a good old girls night out at some resort somewhere, a girls night out with the kids. Um, so maybe it's, maybe it's, you know, who's really winning this, I guess is, <laughs> you know, the, the question here, but m- most of all, it's, it's been pretty good around here, but I haven't really left the house, so. That that you, sounds Justin? like every gamer's dream right there. Uh the wife well, every married with kids gamer's dream. The wife's gonna be gone, so I just have a day of gaming all to myself. Well, it's funny because they've actually been gone for three days now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were like, uh, hey, um, you know, do you mind if we stay one more day? And, you know, Ryan doesn't even try to, to play it off. He's just like, yeah, I don't care. And, and I'm and I'm sitting there like, no, 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 you, you can't, you gotta, you gotta make it seem like, oh no, like, you know, I mean, if you want to, that's fine, but, you know, I'm going to miss, miss you. you. And, you know, if you want to come home, like, I'll be waiting there for you. And then, of course, you know, she's going to go ahead and stay because, you know, this opportunity isn't going to happen that much, but at least she'll know that there's somebody waiting for her at home and not incredibly happy uh, that she's gone, which I'm not for the record. And even <laughs> if I was, I would never admit that. I so was going to say, I feel like I there's some judgment in your statements there because, you know, I, I'm, I'm running at it as honesty is always the best policy, right? Like, that's what I've always been told. And, you know, I, I don't want to be in one of these marriages where it's just like, you know, I, like I say what I believe. You know what I'm saying? Like when I when I speak, you know, when Ryan speaketh, you know, it's the truth. Like it's, you know, it's coming straight from the horse's mouth right here. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I I do. I do. Uh, I do appreciate that. And I think that there's a lot of good that comes from that. But I also feel like, you know, maybe you could. I don't know. I understand that there's certain situations where honesty is not the best policy. Well, um, I can tell you my beautiful wife, Karen. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, her actual name is Karen. I am not referring to any sort of meme or any sort of unpleasant person that you're conjuring in your mind. All of a sudden, her name is Karen and she is wonderful and beautiful and the mother of my child. Um, and I completely forgot where I was going with this, but uh, yeah, love you, honey. Well, 
I, I will say, I really want to be on Marco Polo when both of your wives are listening to this episode. <laughs> oh, I want to be just listening to their explanations. Um, oh, I remember what because, I was going to say, but go ahead. Well, no, go ahead. Take the floor. No. <laughs> I, I'm, this is going to add further entertainment to my Marco Polo. <laughs> I was going to say that my lovely, wonderful, beautiful wife, Karen knows that I love her and knows that I'm excited to see her when I see her. But, you know, I also want her to know, like, she shouldn't have to feel bad at all. So I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to play the game like, mm, I, you know, I don't know. I'm going to miss you a lot. I mean, you know, I am going to miss her <laughs> because she's a part of my life and it feels different when she's not here. Right. And, and not in a good way. But at the same time, like, I want her to know full well that she is able to just go do what she's got to do. I will be here when she gets here to give her, you know, a big old kiss and a hug. And, you know, but she doesn't have to worry like, oh, I should be at home because he misses me a lot. And it's like, no, I'll be fine. I'll be okay. I do miss you and I love you. But go have fun. You want an extra day of fun? By all means, have an extra day of fun. Now, if it was like, hey, can I have the rest of the week of fun? And I'd be like, how expensive is that? No. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Not how long am I not going to get to see you, but specifically how expensive yeah, yeah, yeah. is that? <laughs> see, see that's, that's where honesty, you know, you, you just got to be like, no, like you've had enough of your fun. You know, my, my child wants to be with me. And I want you guys back home. You know, you gotta you gotta play it up a little bit, just just a, just a little bit. You know, because yeah, I think you're giving yourself, you're kind of changing the dynamic of of what you say. Because you're you're just like, oh, honey, like I just want to let you know that you can do whatever you want, and that's different than like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, Karen, I, I mean, you know I could I could learn about. to word things differently, especially <laughs> to my wife. And I know she's listening right now, going, "Amen!" <laughs> like, keep telling him, uh, Zach and Dustin. As, like, as, keep telling him. As as I heard from a phone call earlier. Um, anyway, uh, oh gosh, I, no. <laughs> anyway, so we are way off in the weeds already. So, like, we need to wrap. Hold on. I do want to bring say, this back. Just, just to finalize this conversation on our wives, um, I just want to say happy anniversary to my wife. Um, while I am sitting here on the podcast um, and not spending time with you, happy anniversary. Um, and yes, happy anniversary, I, I, you guys. I do have to say that um, we uh, it was <laughs> it was funny because um, just due to the fact that here. Um, Southern Illinois still under um, very heavy restrictions due to this wonderful pandemic that is still upon us. Um, while other states are not, we are still under very high levels of social distancing and specifically for churches not allowed to really do a lot of stuff. We were doing a parking lot service today, to which took up most of our um, anniversary time. And so I asked her specifically, knowing that our podcast was happening, I didn't know for sure whether she would want to record a podcast or want me to record the podcast tomorrow when, you know, we originally had planned to go spend some time for it or, you know, tonight, considering it's the actual day. And I thought, well, you know, maybe she'll want to spend some time with me tonight and just we could, you know, even though we're going tomorrow, 
um, you know, we could record the podcast for just a little bit. And I, in my mind, I thought she's not going to want me to stay up and record a podcast this late. Um, completely the opposite reaction. She's like, you better not be recording tomorrow. That's our <laughs> anniversary day. She said, you go record right now. So clearly time and affection with me is not worth missing out on the trip to tequila's Mexican restaurant and Hobby Lobby tomorrow. So, <laughs> which is really what she said she wants to do tomorrow. So I, <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I know where I rank in um, the you know in the spectrum. So, with that being said, I want to say happy ver- or happy anniversary <laughs> to you, Kaylee, and I love you very much. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> I would actually like to add on to that. Happy anniversary! I didn't know, and apparently Dustin didn't either. <laughs> but uh, I would also like to say, Kaylee, um, I hope that you will be listening to this, but. You know, I, we were kind of piling on Ryan a little bit, um, but uh, it's not really fair because there might be some things that we don't quite know about you and Dustin yet. So if you just want to drop a comment into our ROTM page, we'll be sure to heckle him about whatever issues uh, you might have <laughs> about it in our next episode. I think that's a great idea. I'm, and also uh, from <laughs> yeah, and also from me, uh, happy anniversary, both Kaylee and Dustin. That's uh, pretty thank cool. Thank you, and thank you, thank you for being here uh, on your anniversary uh, to make it I even more that it. much that much more special. Um, Absolutely. So my I think two loves uh, my wife and Ahsoka. There <laughs> you go. Uh, <laughs> so I think we'll pretty much move on. The only other thing that I really wanted to say is uh, I bought a new car this week. Yay me! Um, and, you know that's exciting, but you know. Yeah. That, Congratulations. That's what I did. Yay. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, that's pretty much it on that. So, what we're going to do now is we're going to actually dive into the world of Ahsoka. And uh, here in a minute, we are going to be doing a a spoiler-free summary, which uh, Zach is going to do for us. Uh, but before that, we have something a little special planned for you. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the hosts of ROTM Radio take Star Wars Ahsoka by the author E.K. Johnston and break it down for you, the listeners. And now, for a spoiler-free summary by Just Zach. Star Wars Ahsoka, a novel written by E.K. Johnston. So, Ahsoka centers or the book, the novel Ahsoka, centers on Ahsoka Tano and the period of time after she left the Jedi Order and before she became an operative in the Rebellion. Um, so it's pretty, much, it's pretty much between when she left the Jedi Order and the end of Clone Wars, for those of you who are a little bit deep into the weeds with, with the Star Wars canon. Um, so it follows her experiences with the Jedi and the devastation of Order 66. Ahsoka is unsure she can be part of a larger whole ever again. Um, but her desire to fight the evils of the Empire and protect those who need it 
will lead her right to Bail Organa and the Rebel Alliance. All done. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, Zach, you're so funny. Um, so, yes, that is Ahsoka. And um, so just to let everybody know, we're going to kind of go into uh, spoiler territory now. So if you have not read the book with us, um, feel free to pause and go ahead and go on to Audible, get that book and read it. Um, but if you have read it and you're ready to go, we are just going to really get started with why you're here, which is the best character in the Star Wars universe, and that is Ahsoka Tano. Um, so what do you guys think? How'd you enjoy the book? I actually uh, thoroughly enjoyed the book. Uh, so a little bit of background. Um, I know we talked last week about some of our hobbies and things like that. And I know, Dustin, you sort of alluded a little bit to the fact that uh, you kind of got me into podcasts in general, even though I didn't go the route that you wanted to or that you wanted me to. And the fact that you were trying to get me also to get into <laughs> Halo books. And I also disappointed you uh, there as well. And I got to tell Immensely. you. Yeah, yeah, I completely just dropped the ball on the whole, hey, you should get into Halo books. And I'm like, that sounds like a great idea. Let me go to Star Wars instead. So uh, officially, now I have, this is going to tell everybody how big of a nerd I am. And I say that proudly, by the way. Um, I, to date, I think I have read, I think, 78 Star Wars books. So I uh, have got quite the library when it comes to that. Um, and it's funny because that's not even scratching the surface of how much that's actually out there. Um, so Ahsoka is actually the first novel in the Star Wars universe that I ever uh, picked up. And I'm kind of that's kind of one of the reasons I, I sort of pushed for us doing this book to begin with was because... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is now going to be Ahsoka is now going to be the first book that both Dustin, you, and Zach have also read. Am I am I wrong in saying that? You are no, that, correct. Yes, you are correct. Um, this is the first one for me, um, and it's you know for me it's timely too because um, I'm actually so as you said you know we're you're. You didn't join me on my Halo journey, which I'm still just at some point we're going to get you there. It's it's just got to happen. And Zach, you as well. Um, but so to me, coming from I'm not I have not been a huge Star Wars fan for a very long time. In fact, I just watched through the movies three years ago was the first time I watched episode four. Um, and then watched them all the way through. And so, like I am with any story, I uh, once I start getting into it and sinking into it, I have to do the whole thing. In fact, my reason for not watching any of the movies re was because I knew how many books there were, and I knew that I could never conquer that. And so, I just kind of said, well, why bother, you know? Sure. Um, so... But then when, when people kind of start explaining to me that, you know, some books, they've erased a lot of them from the canon, um, I thought, well, you know what, I'll just focus on canon, and then from there, I can kind of pick and choose Legends books that I think really matter. And so, um, 
So I'm really excited about this because I just finished the actual t- the TV show Clone Wars um, and started the TV show Rebels and um, really kind of fell in love with the Ahsoka character. And um, this book essentially is the gap, as you know, Zach, you said, this book is the gap between those two shows. And so for me, it was it was a timely read. And I was like, I'm really excited. And I had said to someone in the shop before I even knew about this book, I really wish that um, they would do like a TV show on Ahsoka from the time she left the order. Um, and I still wouldn't mind that, but, um, ha- at least having the book fills in that gap and it, it's a, it's really cool, cool that I've gotten to enjoy that. Yeah, that's great. Uh, a couple things that I want to kind of pick up on from what you said, a is, uh, those listeners out there who are like Canon legends, what's that? So basically what happened is, uh, Star Wars is now a multiverse, okay? Uh, That being said, what that basically means is there are two expanded universes of Star Wars. Um, We have what basically came before, like, and this is not exact definition of it, so, you know, don't quote me, the people who know the exact definition better than I do, but loosely the way I look at it is Legends is considered everything that was published before Disney and Lucasfilm actually had a merger and canon is ne- is basically what what is the new canon what is the new storyline of the books um you know or the books and they're going to mesh with all the new movies and everything like that so um some of the stuff that was considered legends even uh, 2 3 years ago is being brought into canon so it's sort of a it's it's definitely flowing back and forth between them, so it can be a little daunting, a little confusing. Uh, so, I mean, as of right now, if I say anything, just because I've read both canon and legend books, if if I say something that is crossover from one EU to the other, sorry, like, don't shoot me, but... <laughs> um, and so the second thing I also picked up on uh, from what you said is talking about the gap. So um, if you want to just... If you want to actually lock it down time-wise where it lines up in the actual timeline of the Star Wars universe is basically, um, yeah, it's going to fill the gap between the end of the Clone Wars cartoon and the, and the Rebels, Star Wars Rebels cartoon, uh, both by uh, Disney Lucasfilm. Uh, it's going to, it's going to match up nicely, especially obviously Ahsoka's story, but where we actually start the story is one year. Well, actually, <laughs> so the start of the story, we actually see Ahsoka at the, the siege of Mandalore, um, uh, which would have happened, um, spoiler alert, I guess in, uh, here, I know we're in the spoiler section, uh, but spoiler alert for the show Clone Wars, I guess, if you're not into mm-hmm. that or if you're, if you haven't watched it, uh, pause for the next 15 seconds, or if you're interested or whatever, um, the Siege of Mandalore is actually happening in the Clone Wars era still. Uh, the Clone Wars cartoon actually just got done uh, recording or putting out their entire last season where you actually see the Siege of Mandalore on screen. Um, so the book kind of starts there as almost a flashback. 
And then it moves from the Siege of Mandalore into one year after the after the uh, after Order sixty six and also the the start of the Empire. So it's actually starting at um, when you first run into Ahsoka after the flashback happens. You're actually running into her on a planet called the Beska, and the the planet of the Beska. She's running around with a clan of people known as. Uh, the Farty family, which I got to tell you, uh, I mean, we all did the uh, audiobook, so it's 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 not as bad. But uh, hearing just like the Farty family, and they keep referring to like the Farty girls and stuff like that. I'll be honest, like my inner three year old kept going like like Farty girls. I wonder why they call them that. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that could be completely dumb of me, but um, so. Basically, how the book starts, though, after the Siege of Mandalore is um, it, she's working for the Farty family, who apparently is a kind of a prominent family on the uh, planet of Thabesca. And, of course, the planet of Thabesca is kind of in the Outer Rim, but it's not so far Outer Rim that it's, you know, there, there's some stuff still. And it's got a—and the Empire already has, like, a presence on Thabesca. So, like, the Empire's already established and stuff like that. Um, so basically I, I, and I don't really know cause they, they, the way they set it up was sort of the farty girls had come to see Ahsoka to be like, you know, don't, don't miss out on the empire day parade, which Ahsoka took as a warning, like, cause they basically were like, Oh, there's a lot of people here. And uh, they kept calling her Ashla. So Ashla is actually Ahsoka's, um, I guess pen name in this or not pen name, but her like her incognito that, name or her in hiding name is Ashley. Alter ego. Right. That's what she's not calling it. She's ego, like, that's what she's saying is her name because obviously the name Ahsoka Tano would have gone down as she was a, Je- a Jedi Padawan. So she would have been still being hunted by the empire at the time. Um, and then after, so after she takes this warning uh, from the farty girls and she basically like skips town. Like she gets out of Dodge, uh, steals a ship from the Farties, uh, and takes the ship and goes to a planet called Riata, which Riata is like further outer rim. So uh, I guess the best way to describe it would be like you know, say say Thabesca was a suburb of a major metropolitan area, and. Riata is like the ding 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 of the of the of the galaxy, basically. Yeah. Um, it's a I, farming I, moon. I'll go ahead, Dustin. Well, I was just gonna say I I thought it was really interesting in that that you know here it is Empire Day. It's been a year, and uh, and one thing I just I you know was interesting to me in this all throughout the book was how easy it was for Ahsoka to to kind of get in her ship and travel. Um, I guess in my mind, I thought that they, the Empire was a lot more stringent, uh, or would be, um, you know, because in a lot of what we see, you know, they're very... I mean, you can't you can't go through certain sectors without codes and and you know just it's very interesting. But I Ahsoka was able to kind of travel pretty freely and um you know the one thing and i gotta be honest i and i i'm i'm really i'm clearly not as red as you are or 
new and and I should have understood this just from watching some of the newer movies and seeing the stormtroopers being you know like different people um obviously you know people like Poe and 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 all of them but I I guess until this book never recognized that the stormtroopers were not clones and so I was really curious at first how, I guess, how easy Ahsoka was, like, at the Empire Day, how she was not immediately recognized. Just because of her, I mean, obviously, she's probably assumed yeah, dead. She was, a, she was a commander in the Grand Army of the Republic who she would have served with a lot of clones. Absolutely. And considering that she was legitimately, you know, probably the second highest entity in the empire, Darth Vader, um, was her Padawan. I, I just would, I would think that that would be a little more, I guess, under lock and key. It was really interesting seeing how, I mean, she just kind of would set her ship and go and, and, you know, obviously towards the end of the book, we'll see like it, things change a little bit, but that's because, there's about they know that she's alive. There's a bounty on her head, but like she's able to just kind of weave in and out. I just thought that was interesting. Well, I, I think what I think the reason why that's happening is a so to the clones part of it. So there were some clone units that were still operating in the Empire, but the problem with the clones was is because they were designed to mature so fast because they were like, you know, basically you put in an order and like within five years you have a fully grown uh, human clone at adult age who's of fighting strength and, and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, so you think, you know, the lifespan of a clone because they were expendable and they were meant to be sort of thrown at the, at the, at the droids, um, you know, they didn't really put a whole lot of thought of okay, they're going to age out a lot faster. And I think the other thing was, too, is the fact that Palpatine originally created it in a specific way uh, to where, like, you know, because of the chips in the head and all that kind of stuff, With uh, which they actually do talk about that, um, Ahsoka does uh, at the beginning, because yeah, um, we actually find out that uh, Captain Rex and her actually staged both of their deaths that basically make it look like they killed each other. And Ahsoka yes. actually left her, like, uh, her lightsabers on her, on Rex's grave because it was supposed to be like, oh, that was a momentum for, uh, Rex to be like, you know, he died killing this Jedi for the Empire and all that kind of stuff. Um, but so there were some clones, you know, that were like, it, you know, if they were outstanding exemplary clones, they might have still been in the Empire in the actual active military at that, t you know, within that first year. But a lot of them had been processed out, let's say. I don't know exactly what the Empire would have done with uh, clones I, that were no longer uh, useful. It said specifically they aged them out. So I'm guessing it was retirement, but uh, it is the Empire, so. Right. They could have been, <laughs> like, for all force choked at one time or something. You, know, you don't know. Um, so it, to me, it wasn't very surprising that... Uh, now it was, it was interesting to for her to have that train of thought of like, ooh, I better find out whether or not these are clones. Um, but also to your point of the fact that she was able to kind of move around freely, I think at this point, 
really the only the biggest threats that the empire had against them were pirates. So, um, or that was the biggest problem facing the empire was the pirates were kind of going into places where where there was a power vacuum, you know, because all these, you know, separatist uh, states had fallen and um, due to the Clone Wars and the Empire didn't have a full hold yet on those areas. Uh, So the rebellion hadn't started. So you don't have a galaxy-wide rebellion starting yet. So I think at this point, there's really no reason to restrict, you know, sort of free trade, as it were. Right. Which was, it's kind of weird because, I, I don't know if you guys remember, um, but Ahsoka actually specifically said something about the fact that the Empire didn't have a hold yet on the planet that she will go to, and where, you know, they weren't as organized and stuff, so it could be a little more crazy, and the fact that the Beska, like the Empire, was already established meant that she could hide a little bit better, uh, is or at least that's the way I took it, so it was a little weird for me. Because she says that way later on in the book. So it's a little weird to me that she left the basket in the first place. I don't know where this specific threat was because it wasn't explained at all what like what was about to happen. Do you guys know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm trying to think. Um, well, doesn't she... Do, doesn't the Empire kind of come around and start asking? Um, just asking questions in general and she just starts to feel like there you know there's clearly that if they're they're asking then you know it's not going to take too long before you know and it she's kind of been operating there as a I'm going to operate as a mechanic and kind of blend in um like you said since it's more established there's nothing really as long as there's no disturbance you know, in the system, they're just going to chalk it up to another day. And I, if I remember correctly, I believe that there was, um, somebody was coming around and starting to ask questions. Maybe I'm, I know that that happened later on specifically when they meet back up, but I thought it happened at the beginning too. Well, she um, did, she did run into some stormtroopers who were just like, you know, why aren't you out the celebration? And she was like, oh, I'm just running late. And they're like, you need to hurry and get there, you know. So there was no there was no obvious threat to the reader at that point, besides it's Empire Day and there's more Imperials than normal, I guess, was the thing. But she was... She made it out like the Farty Girls gave her a specific warning, but they weren't specific in the book on what that warning was or what the threat mm. was. Besides, like, you know, maybe what they were trying to say, I, and I, you know, I, I guarantee if I went back and looked at it, more than likely what the girls actually say is that there's people that are asking a lot of questions or something like that. So there was obviously something that tipped her off to some sort of danger that she decided that she needed to get away from. And that's where the story led us to her stealing the ship and then ended up in uh, at the uh, moon of Riata. Raeda, the outer rim moon of Raeda, is where the story is currently taking place. So, I'll have to say, out of everything that happened on uh, on Raeda, um, I'd have to say the most interesting thing for me was the game of Kroken. 
Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I was fascinated trying to actually visualize what they were doing. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they got a little bit intense there because they, it was almost like a shuffleboard. I don't know if you guys have ever played shuffleboard. Yeah. But the, the idea of being, you want to position your, you want to position your pieces in a certain place and you can also knock other pieces off. Now it obviously seemed a little bit different and how they were describing it, but that was kind of the basic idea. And I was like, kind of getting into it to like, who, who's going to win. Um, and I was kind of like teaming up on one side and I'd get like really upset whenever it'd be like, Oh, uh, you know, uh, Ahsoka, or I think it was Caden actually on one of these, like she kept trying to knock over, um, one of her opponent's pieces and she kept missing. And I'm like, come on, like, <laughs> You're trying to win this game. I mean, I, and, they're, and it's not like, you know, they're just betting nothing. Um, you know, these games are a little bit more serious. I, I can't remember if they were if they were uh, betting rations or not. But uh, I, I, it, would, it would upset me because, and, and you could kind of, sometimes the author would maybe play up to the cockiness of the character a little bit. I, I don't know, but uh, it, it, would, it would definitely work on me and that I would, I would yeah. hit the opponent, and it and the opponent would of course be the one that's able to uh, successfully knock off Caden or Ahsoka's piece. Like, come on, that's ridiculous, uh, Ahsoka. It's time to use the Force and win this game. All right, like <laughs> even <laughs> go all out. <laughs> even even if like, let's just say like no, her piece doesn't touch any other piece. Just knock all all your opponents off anyway. Like, make it obvious. Like. You're winning this game, and there's nothing they can do about it because they don't have the force. Um, so, but I think the I'll whole say, the whole point that she didn't do that though, and she actually talked about that was like it would be counterproductive to her hiding, right? If people knew she was a force user. Well, I'll say, and that and is true to me with the game. Just side note, I think when I I visualized, um, the just the game of pool for some reason, I that was just my. Probably just because they kept talking about the shots that were being taken, but I think it. Yeah, yeah, they did talk about like 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 banking them off of things. Yes, hit the, so it's hit it. May, I think you're right. Maybe a, a mix of those two games, but um, I think it also it. You know, you mentioned kind of the empire being one sided at this point. You know, it does show. I I was really interested. You know, Ahsoka comes, so we see she comes to Ra. Ra is it Raeda? Is that Raeda? Yes, Raeda. She comes to Raeda, and like almost immediately upon being there, she's found, um, and by Caden, and I mean, it, it was almost like there was no hi, there was no who are you, anything. It was just like, hey, here's a house that's empty. If you want it, you can have it. These people left. You don't have to say, you don't have to buy it. It's just yours. We'll get you a lock, all that kind of thing. It was just like an automatic thing. And clearly, you know, to me, there these are people that live almost with no, like they're not worried about, you know, those kind of things. You know, they're so, fu they're not worried about the empire coming in and, and, 
checking roles and all those kind of things. It sounds like even their own government. It's like you can just kind of move in and which, you know, a lot of times when Star Wars kind of presents these pirate type and not that there were pirates on this, but you know what I'm saying? Kind of the outer rim or the kind of these areas where it's just a lot of, you know, don't ask, don't tell kind of people and just go in and do it. And, and so it, it make it's the perfect place for Ahsoka to be, but you can see it even in these games. I mean, it's just, uh, I, I thought it was really interesting that, you know, Ahsoka is clearly taken aback by this. She's so used to Coruscant. She's so used to being there with rules and regulations and, you know, uh, the streets having scanner IDs of faces and, and droids and, you know, drones that follow them. And here she is. She's like, you guys are like, you don't even know me and you want me to come along and, and play. Um, but it was interesting how just having, um, and you can correct me, Ryan, if I'm wrong. It, I don't, was it? It was either the owner of the Catalina, or one of the the worker, like one of the leaders of the of the farming group, um, came up and talked to her. And when he did, it was like they immediately. It says in the book that like when Ahsoka first walks in, she's the whole room is pretty much looking at her. But just by having that guy come and talk to her, it's like, oh, okay, you're cool. Like we that was all it yeah, took. Yeah, he would have been the uh that would have been the owner of the uh the cantina that they go to and Did I, I say Catalina? The, you did. I'm the, I'm like the can <laughs> it's the Catalina wine mixer, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we gotta sell some Can't. uh some uh, helicopters to the Empire. You know, um, my bad. <laughs> that was awesome. Yes, uh, but he, is, he is the owner of the uh, cantina, and I, I can't, I can't really remember his name off the top of my head right now. Um, but I think the fact that you know he actually comes over and talks to her, a he might just do that anyways because I, I think uh, somebody made fun of. Uh, so basically, what happens there is so Ahsoka gets to Ryada, and then there's this weird, awkward like. Um, hey, you can have that house if you want from so the first person she meets is Caden Lardy and or Larty, which is close to Farty. I so that kept messing me up too. I'm like, oh, that Farty girls me and the Lardy well. girls. You know? I, I I thought, is this a like this is the same family? Like they they're <laughs> just yeah, yeah, if at first I, w- I was doing that too, I'm like, okay, she definitely because you know, we're all listening to the audiobook and and she definitely said uh, enunciated an F and then another time an L and I'm like like these are different like wait time out what people and also uh, I believe it's Zelda's canteen yes Zelda thank you very much uh, but so the thing about Zelda is Zelda is a Togruta which is the exact same race uh, of alien that Ahsoka is and uh, so they're both Togrutas and they seem like they're probably the only two Togrutas there um, and uh, so I guess the only thing that was different with Zelda was his mantrals, which are kind of like the horn things that come up on uh, top of like Ahsoka's head. Um, his one of his mantrals had been cut off, I believe, in a farming accident. Um, but it was kind of funny because 
uh, Caden invites her out to the cantina, and they go to the cantina, and then Caden introduces Ahsoka to everybody at the table, which is basically Caden's, like, work team. So, like, they'll work out in the field all day, and then they come to... um, Sorry, what was his name again? Zelda. Uh, Zelda. Zelda, okay. So it seems like they'll go work all day and then they'll come back and they'll hang out at Zelda's because it's like the one place to, to hang out, uh, which it did seem like there were other cantinas on the moon because I know um, there was a whole story about one of the other characters that would go to all of them because he was the mean drunk guy um, instead of you know just planning at one place. Um, but so they're all sitting there and I remember one of the one of the minor characters was like, oh, now we're going to get the best service. And Caden's like, why? And he's like, well, they're both Tagrudas. And uh, Caden's like, uh, or it was either Caden or Caden's little sister, Miara, both Lartes, um, says, like, do you think all Tagrudas know each other? <laughs> like, <laughs> he's probably being nice because she's a new paying customer, you know, that kind of thing, which I thought was pretty funny. So Zelda's cantina basic, basically becomes like the base of operations for the rest of uh, anything that's going to happen in the story. Um, I thought it was a little interesting, you know, and this is kind of a side note because we this was the audio book. So people that are actually reading the book wouldn't have this going on. But did you guys notice the music that was being played for the cantina in the audio book? I don't think I did. Yes, yes, it was like, uh, yeah, your local. It's like club, uh, club. music. <laughs> like, it, so it's funny because when I think of cantina music, I think of that da 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 that whole thing. You know, like when uh, uh, Luke and Obi Wan Kenobi enter the cantina in on Tatooine. You know, and it's just yeah. like you know, or if you watch Family Guy, it's like any request that same exact song. Okay. So that's what I'm thinking, like, cantina music is. And it's funny because, like, (laughs) you know, in the audiobook, they're like, they entered the cantina, which was loud with a live band. And the live band is just like, (laughs) yeah. You know, and I'm just like, man, apparently, like, apparently they like to party in the outer rim. Like, well. I, and I, I don't know, know if that... I is further out than Tatooine, but I was just like, I could get down with that. You know, <laughs> like this. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know. I know that I made a note. This is one of the notes I made. And for all the listeners, I made a, I made a list of notes to do this podcast. And then I lost that list of notes. But this was one of them. Um, I Ahsoka says something that is such a Star Wars statement and and I'll, I'll explain a little bit but she says that when she walks in she she said I knew the song must have been popular a popular song on this world by the reaction but I had never heard it before and for whatever reason as a musician it it struck me because we I, and obviously I'm, you know, there's popular songs just on our planet that are out there that we don't hear, but it, it's when you're dealing in the star Wars universe, I never thought about, cause she said specifically on this planet, you know, it's just interesting that you think in the star Wars story, they have such a Liberty 
to if they want to create a new race of people, they can because there's, you know, millions of planets with millions of life forms that all, you know, and so they can kind of just do that kind of thing. And I was thinking like, you know, we kind of as people that, you know, live on Earth, we, we really, you know, the the most popular songs most of a most of us have at least heard but they're in a situation where like it's the most popular song on that world but i don't know why that fascinated me but that you know ahsoka doesn't come from that world so she's never even heard it and she's like maybe not even heard that style like you're saying the cantinas here are totally different than they are on this world and um okay. And, and it was, you know, it's the other thing is like when I, when I was first listening to this, I was kind of right. You, again, you get this kind of picture of like Tatooine is a good example because it's such a, it's kind of a pirate haven, um, which Tatooine for those of you that don't know, um, it's where Anakin Skywalker, who spoiler alert becomes Darth Vader. Um, that's where <laughs> he grew That's where he was born and grew up. And when you see that place in the movies, it's a real desert, desolate area, lots of pirates, a lot of no good scum, kind of the same feel a little bit in the sense of don't ask, don't tell. There's a lot of people, they don't really give you a hard time because then you could give them a hard time. And, and you know, everybody likes to stay anonymous, but even the feet. So I, you almost kind of put that onto all these outer rim worlds but even hearing here the specific i like that detail that no it's like a totally different world and the fact that the way that the farming groups get together like that's i've never i've never necessarily heard of that where like you're they talked about their farming unit almost like it was a squad like you know like a a clone squad or, you know, something like that. And halfway through the movie, I, I kept thinking to myself, I know that they're they're when they refer to the group that they're talking about farming, but like the way they talk about each other is like almost like that they're a military team. And so it was just really interesting seeing the personality of Raida, like all the things that happened there that, you know, and I, I, I liked that the writer was able to give details to kind of remind you, hey, like this is a totally different world, totally different, you know, music, totally different way of life, everything that they do. Um, and Ahsoka, because clearly Ahsoka comes and she's just like baffled by some of these things. She's a little confused and like, man, I've never seen this done this way. And all the worlds that I've been to and all those things, it's just, it was just interesting. Yeah, definitely. And uh, <clears throat> as you can see, well, actually, it's kind of interesting, too, where as you progress through the book, um, she's going to at first it's like, OK, I've never been here. I don't know what the local traditions are. Uh, seems like they have some sort of almost like a bartering system in place. Like they have money, but they, they barter as in like they take their food rations and like Caden actually pays for the repair of her thresher machine, which is Ahsoka's first job on Raida because she sets up as a mechanic, um, was she paid for it, uh, with, with her food rations and, you know, 
that's the you know that's kind of the way it kind of started. Um, but not everything could be paid for in food and things like that. Uh, I thought it was interesting because you're gonna see further on in the book where like the empire is gonna show up, right? The empire is gonna show up and it's gonna start taking over uh, Raeda. And Ahsoka then will have to lean back on her, like, world experiences that she already has. Because she actually had to uh, start training these farmers on how to, you know, rebel and the right way to rebel, uh, to fight back on the Empire a little bit. But she knew going into it, she, you know, because I think the farmers already had this whole, like, we got to kick these, uh, we got to kick the Empire out of here and... And get them gone, you know, and get them off our our turf. They're wreck, they're wrecking our farmlands. And Ahsoka's basically like, okay, we got to calm down because you just start spouting that, and they're gonna kill you. Like you got to do this tactfully and things like that. So she actually had to fall back on her Clone Wars training, where she actually has the experience. If you watch the Clone Wars TV show, she has the experience of training farmers to actually fight a band of pirates. Um, so she actually had to fall back on that, but as we progress through the story, I thought it was interesting that, um, when Ahsoka gets to Raeda, she not only sets up in her little house that she gets, but her first inkling is to immediately go out to where, like, cause Raeda, it seems like most of the farmlands on maybe, you know, there's a lot of farmland in the one area, um, where they're farming, but then towards the outside of the farmlands, there's these hills, right? So she goes and she immediately finds a cave system that can be used as a bunker or a base where she can just hide some stuff. So she immediately, like, that's an immediate thing that she does as soon as she gets to riot it. Like, within the first couple days is, I'm going out to the hills, I'm finding, you know, I'm going to start making a bug out bag, and this is where I'm going if, like, you know, stuff hits the fan. Yeah, and you you really start to see kind of the severity of Ahsoka's situation in the sense that she is the, I mean, obviously if you're listening to this podcast, you know what Order 66 is, I I would presume, and the fact that, I mean, can you imagine being, you know, a a girl walks away from the Jedi Order without no more protection, and because of that, the rest of the Jedi, you presume, are dead. You're the only one that lived that you know of. And basically, the army is set up camp unopposed. And, I mean, like, you just have to completely live in complete hiding. You have to have, like, an exit everywhere, constantly. And you see that. She's just like... Okay, I got to find a place that I can retreat to if things, you know, if I get caught down here. You know, it's it's one of those things. Again, the Empire comes in to this world to grow crops. Like, they're not there looking for her. So, realistically, I remember thinking, like, she could just hang tight, not make a big deal. But in her mind, she just, you know, I can't imagine. She's the only one left, and she just... You know, any wrong move, any identifying who she really is, and she's on the run again. And, you know, I I just, you know, you can tell, you you almost feel for her. Like, she's just like, you know, in that position, you're just like, there's no way we, I can win this. Because I'm, I, it's, it's just her completely. Yeah. And I, uh, I actually 
one of the first times it started to get a little real for me was um, inside the cantina, I believe. Um, when around the time there they were playing Crokin, um, was there was a like a belligerent, um, uh, a drunk like fellow colleague of Ahsoka's, I believe, and uh, he would have been one of the farmers uh, that. I can't remember his name, but he would have been one of the farmers that actually lived on. So he would have worked with uh, Caden and Miara and her team. Yeah, so because uh, I remember Ahsoka was saying or, or thinking to herself, like, um, or I think they actually discussed it there while they were playing, is like they can't just, you know, oh, we're gonna we're gonna tell them what we think about them. And this greatly demonstrated what was going to happen to people in that. So this one of these farmers comes in. He's obviously drunk. And he's just pretty much taunting the troopers or, uh, you know, like, you you can't do anything to me. Like, just being belligerent. I think he and, was trying to get another drink and he was already a little bit drunk. And they tried to, like, push him away. Or they were blocking his access to the bar. And he tried to like yep. muscle through them. Yeah. Well, and this yeah, re- yeah. this reminded off. me a lot of. I mean, it was kind of funny, <laughs> the just real world, you know, thing for a second. I, it was really interesting because they they came up and nailed a list of rules to the door, and one of those rules was that you couldn't have. There was a certain limit to how much alcohol you could drink. And he was making, the book said that he was making his normal bar run where he went back and forth. So he was already drunk when he came in there, which I just, you know, throwing that out there again, it was uh, reading that and seeing it goes through the list of all the things the Empire was putting on this, this land or on this world. And and it was just a little too close to home in this uh COVID-19 thing we got going. I was like, oh, so <laughs> I was like, there was something that the, there was one of the rules that they put down and it, we have the same rule, at least here in Illinois. And I was like, it's, see, it's a freaking empire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and interesting enough, um, as, a, as at least shows that things aren't all bad now, is that in this world, uh, just by his mere protest... And, and all it was, was like, they gave him like two or three chances. And then on that last chance, right. Just, Mm -hmm. just like that, like they grabbed him and, uh, the officer put up the blaster. Like they were pretty much like, well, we're done with you. We've gave you your chance. And then they just blow a hole in him, and then, and then drop him right there. And I was like, cause I'm thinking like, oh, you know, like. He's gonna learn his lesson. They're they're scaring him real good right now, and no, no, they they didn't scare him at all. They they uh they shot the fear out of him. Actually, <laughs> um, it was I wasn't expecting it, and that's that, that at that moment I knew like okay, well, and then everyone else knew, of course, that was in the room that this is serious, and you know that that little bit of leeway was all it took for him to have easily lived to the next day to they just shot him right there to probably as a as a warning to everybody else as well like these rules you know their law you know whatever it is you either do do what we say or you're gonna end up 
uh, like Farmer Brown down here with like 10 holes in his chest. Well, see, and that's the thing where you're a little bit wrong on that is, is he tried to push forward and they, or he tried to like push forward into them. And one of the stormtroopers actually tried to push him back and he actually like took a swing at him and I, they didn't really give him multiple uh, chances. Like you said, they actually made it to where basically it was like, we're shooting you now. And he actually sobered up for enough time to realize what was happening and like sort of begged for his life. And then he just shot him in the head, which uh, happened in front of everybody at the cantina. And that was really where like everybody was already grumbling like, oh, here comes the Empire making all these rules. And then all of a sudden, you know, they just shot the citizen. Yeah. With and and I think, you know, it was clear. I, I think the officer said he was like. He was like, we're we're trying to let show you that the empire yeah, let, let does this not be a warning. Yeah, which you know, and if you think about it, like the only thing that gave the empire the right to just fly in and do this is the fact that what are these people going to do? I mean, there's literally, um, I think I think Ahsoka says somewhere else that something like they're probably not going to send more reinforcements here, the Empire, she's speaking of, unless there is deemed a problem or a threat. You know, it's like, they don't necessarily need, you know, they don't really need any extra forces because, like, the ones they've got, they'll just scare everybody and everybody's gonna, you know, listen, and which allows them to do whatever they want to do. Right, which obviously they didn't, and or I mean, this sort of like show of force, let's say, like a the show of force of them just being there wasn't enough, uh, and then of course the guy dies, and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, the the farmers, the residents of the moon, they wanted blood. Um, so what basically happens from there is Ahsoka basically is like, okay, well here's what we can do: we can resist before they send in more troopers, all that kind of stuff. And really the whole reason that the Empire was there to begin with was because they were there to grow a plant that they could turn into a nutritional, like a nutrition, uh, nutritional supplement that they could feed workers. And something they talked about in, in the book itself a little bit was that these plants for the Empire were specifically made for workers who were working in zero gravity. So it's a little nod there. Like, I was going to ask you about that. If that, uh, if there was a certain, um, certain structure or certain possible weapon that they may have been building. Yeah. So it's like it shows you right there that the the Death Star is already under construction within the first year. Because they were making this specific thing that were going, to, you know, to help keep uh beings that were working in zero g uh, alive and this is one of those things where it's like the nutritional uh supplement that has no taste or tastes terrible but it will keep you alive and that's the only purpose it has but the problem with this plant is when they plant it it literally leaches every bit of nutrition from the ground completely so you only get one planting of this plant, and it was going to leave Riata's fields in ruins for generations. 
so that's obviously like the problem with this is, you know, they're going to, the empire is going to come in do what they're going to do, but then they were going to leave, but they were going to, you know, I even, they even said in there that the, uh, the commander was like, you know, they're going to have their freedom little good. It'll do for them once we ruin their planet. And that's why yeah. this little spark of rebellion starts. And that's really where this book actually is going to end up heading is this little spark that started a grander rebellion because this is sort of the first kind of action that the rebellion will take. But before we get there, obviously, um, so we talked about the caves and everything, right? Yes. So Ahsoka starts taking the the villagers, let's say, or the, the farmers and starts saying, Hey, you know what? I set up some caves and whatnot. And this whole time they still know Ahsoka as Ashla and they keep asking, like, who are you and where did you come from? How do you know all this stuff? You know, they're asking all these questions all the time. Finally, Ahsoka actually admits to them that she was a commander in the Clone Wars. Or that she led troops in the Clone Wars. I can't remember if she said commander exactly or not, because that might have given away her... Because uh, usually the people that were leading the actual Clone War troopers were... Um, were Jedi. So she may not have actually put that specifically in there. Um, so she sort of starts training them on ways to do things. So uh, she asks uh, Caden's little sister, Miara, asks her to, because she apparently is good at making like little explosives and stuff. So their plan is, hey, we're going to go out and we're going to plant these uh, little explosives onto the walkers that they have, that the Empire has. But they're not going to be, they're not going to go boom. What they're going to do is they're going to corrode the the joints of the walkers, so like the knees and stuff like that. They're going to corrode them and they're going to fall apart. And they're, what their hope is, they're hoping that the Empire is basically going to be like, oh man, something in the atmosphere is corroding our walkers. Maybe we shouldn't, you know, maybe we shouldn't occupy here. But it goes horribly wrong because everybody else in the group was like, you know, there was some other people that were like, we need to shoot people now, basically. So the like the other part of the group starts sort of planning their own attack away from Ahsoka's attack. But what they did was they planned it for the same night. So uh, Ahsoka and her team go out, plant these charges on the walkers, disable most of the walkers, and then get back to uh, Zelda's get back to Zelda's and realize where is everybody? And then all of a sudden it comes to find out like, Oh, Caden and the rest of the team went in and basically planted bigger bombs on the barracks. So a bomb goes off, kills some people. Now all of a sudden like crap has hit the fan. Now the entire, everybody that was in, involved in the little coup Heads towards the hills. They go to the hills. Um, and I think Caden actually gets captured in this first one, right? Yes. Yep. That's where we see her uh, uh, in the room. Well, yes, but how, how, when now before this, though, uh, I believe that someone, they, they somehow came to know that there was a Jedi on Ryada. This this sent. is this is actually <clears throat> because of this whole thing that happens. Caden gets captured, and 
basically they start fighting like the, the troopers and everybody start firing into the crowds and whatnot. And the only thing Ahsoka could do uh, was, and somebody died. Like I can't remember one of the minor characters died uh, and Ahsoka turned around and basically started, she put up a force barrier between, uh, between the fleeing farmers that are fleeing towards the hills and the, uh, and the troopers. So that's where, so Caden has already been captured at this point. Uh, she gotten captured, but then they put up the force or she puts up the force field basically. Um, and then everybody realizes like, Oh, you're a force user. <laughs> like, uh, it's very obvious at that point, which then everybody sort of turns on her, her a little bit because they're like, you're a force user. Um, you didn't tell us you were a force user. And she was like, you got to understand I, I could die, blah, blah, blah. And, I think one of the things that Miara said to her, um, Caden's sister was, you know, that we're not mad at you for being a force user. We're mad at you because you didn't do everything in your power to help us. Yeah. So I that was, uh, it kind yeah. of shows the kind of pressure, obviously that Ahsoka's under, um, because she eventually does use her power because she felt cornered and she wanted to save people. Um, so she actually goes back and, Caden is being interrogated by uh, normal imperial interrogation methods, which are pain-inducing. Uh, so I don't know if everybody remembers back in uh, The Empire Strikes Back where Han Solo is actually attached to this table thing where uh, this thing like lowers to his chest and starts sparking, and he just starts screaming. And after that moment, they drug him in uh, to put him in the cell when they're in Cloud City, uh, with Chewbacca and uh, and Leia, and he's like, I don't know, you know, why are they doing this? And he's like, they didn't even ask me any questions. So apparently, this is actually a like is an imperial tactic to begin with because they do the same thing to Caden. They attach the machine to her chest, and she she said her insides were on fire, and it was the most horrible thing she'd ever experienced. And you know, she thought to herself, I will tell them anything if I don't ever have to feel that again. So yeah, um, I I actually thought it was interesting because at one point, um, they they continue, uh, they continue to do that to a point where she's just about in, incapacitated, and uh, she mentioned that that she would have if they would have asked her something, she would have told them anything, but she couldn't. Yeah, uh, at, it actually at, at a certain like... point. It actually seemed like the Empire kind of actually, like the people that were doing their interrogation, like sort of effed up because they pushed her further than what they were supposed to because um, they actually get to a point where they they go to ask her a question and they're like, they're basically like, you know, answer the question and you'll die quickly. Answer the, you know, don't answer our question and we will kill you slowly, but then also kill your friends, you know, all that kind of stuff. And she physically can't answer because after they put her through the pain torture, um, she actually ends up getting a broken arm by falling off of the chair because they said something about, Oh, we'll put you back on the machine. And she was so scared that she fell off the chair and broke her arm. And then they ended up drugging her right to kind of help coax out a little bit of information, but overdosed her. So they, they really botched the interrogation to begin with. And when this happens, Ahsoka comes back and rescues Caden, takes Caden to the cave. Um, and 
They're all hiding now. But when when Ahsoka really thought about it, because Caden was like, you know, I was angry before, and I'm not angry now. Um, like they want they want you. They only want you. They want you so badly. They want to kill you. You should leave. Ahsoka realizes that's probably the best idea for her is to actually take off and leave. So she does that. And where does she go? Back to the Farty family. Which I thought was a strange move. I don't know about you guys. Like, uh, you know, she goes back to the Farties on Thabesca instead of going literally anywhere else. Um, I, I, I'm, I actually can't remember. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to recall the specific event. Um, because the Farty girls, what are their names? I, I don't know. <laughs> They just refer to them as the Farties. I think they list their names literally one time, and I have no idea. Okay, so were they trying to... What were they trying to do? Like, well, like did she go to rescue them? Why did she go back there? <laughs> um, so I do remember now why she went to, back to Athabasca. was actually because of the only girl that I can remember her name was Hadala Farty. Hadala Farty... Apparently they were playing they were playing in like a dangerous cargo area one day and a box went to fall on one of the girls and Hadala like locked eyes with the box and the box didn't crush her sibling or her cousin whoever it was and Ahsoka kind of noticed this and was like oh snap she's a force user but she's a child so she doesn't probably know that she is a force user or anything like that so she actually goes back to Thabesca to sort of keep an eye on Hadala because the whole time now that she is quote unquote, you know, she's blaming herself saying that she failed the people on Riata, but now she's looking at it going, I failed originally by never, I just up and ditched the Beska and, you know, I never warned anybody that, you know, Hadala Farty was also going to be a force user. And that was going to be in a lot of danger over the fact that she was a force user. Uh, so she goes back to she goes back to the Farties, and it was kind of it was kind of strange because like the the head guy who is I guess he was like the father of you know like he's like the leader of the Farty family um, welcomes her back with no issue and thanks and is like thanks for bringing my ship back you know we always could use a new mechanic. Um, and that is where the story starts of her getting recognized by Bail Organa. And actually, uh, she kind of starts her own little small rebellion. Um, Which I, I thought that was really interesting, kind of, you know, because they kind of play him off to be like your typical smuggler. And throughout the whole time, you're kind of thinking he's a little, you know, shady of a person. Oh, yeah. And then she kind of... You know when when she starts doing going on these runs, she she he kind of sends her on these smuggling runs, and um, basically, as she says specifically that when she does it, she noticed that the people that she was doing it for um, were were so thankful, and 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 you know it wasn't like your typical. You know, here's the briefcase. Let me see it. Open it. Let me see all the money. You know, it was right. like a. It was almost like, like she here's was some medical supplies that she's smuggling, and but right, 
you know, like it's it's smuggling when it comes to the legitimate government of the empire. Right. But it's a Robin Hood good. organization. I mean, yeah, yeah he's exactly. And and you don't know that. And she doesn't know that. You know, she's like um, and you find out later when they it finally comes out. So I don't know how connected he already is to the rebellion or if he's just kind of. See, that's the thing. It's interesting in in the Star Wars universe, if you really look at the fact that, like, when they talk about the Rebel Alliance, like, the Rebels did not have an alliance. And you see that in the movie Rogue One, because you look at uh, Saw Gerrera's partisans, which were technically Rebels, but they had extreme views, and they were more closer to what you might describe as a terrorist organization rather than a rebel cell. But they were rebelling against the Empire, so therefore the Empire classified them all as rebels. But, like, the actual Rebel Alliance was like, we, we don't want... Like, they literally sent um, the one dude, I can't remember, Captain, A- or Captain uh, Andor, or whatever his name is, from Rogue One, to assassinate, like... Like, they're, they're, they're like, basically, like take him out, you know, uh, for Saul Guerrero. And yeah. so it's interesting because I don't think at this point there was no organization when it comes to the actual rebels and the rebel activity. Like at, at the beginning, there were just people doing things, Yeah, which is actually, it's funny because Ahsoka didn't know that she was helping somebody do good rebellion wise with the Farties. And she took it upon herself to start doing good things in between her smuggler runs, which right. apparently the Farties were okay with because, like, hey, you're already doing these smuggling runs for us that we are doing for the greater good, and we notice, like, we're not going to have a problem with you going off schedule and stuff because you're doing good for the greater good also. Right. But neither one of them knew, you know, right. because it was, like you were saying, there was a lot of don't ask, don't tell involved uh, with that kind of stuff. And, but, and Ahsoka... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and Ahsoka even specifically says to when they're they're talking, and I think they're about to leave each other for the last time, and she said, or he says, I think, that um, he's like, you know, if we would have just been honest with each other from the beginning, we could have got a lot more accomplished, you know, because we were both trying to keep this from one another. Um, and I... I to have you continue your point, I was going to, I was going to ask, um, you know, while I, obviously the rebel Alliance had not started, but you know, it talks about Orgama constantly monitoring different rebel cells. And so I'm wondering if there was any communication, you know, that's just something I wondered was like, was communication starting to be formed? Because, you know, he still had, you know, when he talks to Ahsoka a little later, he says he brings up Raida and that they're, he is monitoring that system. So I wondered if there was a little bit of a, like, you know, I don't really know who, like, Origami doesn't know Farty and vice versa, but they're kind of maybe in slight communication with each other and maybe like, it's kind of, you're seeing the beginning of it. And even if they don't, even if they are totally independent, you're seeing these cells and possibly, you know, that kind of thing. I think that was the whole thing with, because it's interesting because, um, Bail Organa actually ends up reach, reaching out to Ahsoka through some associates of his, which was really funny. The way it happened was basically he sends a couple people, 
not knowing that they're going after a Jedi. Um, but he sends a couple people to make contact with her to basically, you know, say like, Hey, our boss wants to meet you. Um, and, uh, all that kind of stuff. But so what ends up kind of preceding that is Bail Organa is paying attention to Ryada because Ryada all of a sudden is blowing up in the news cycle, like Jedi, Jedi found on Ryada. And he's monitoring that kind of stuff and he's trying to figure out who it is and he doesn't know. But then during that same time, he starts noticing an uptick in like do-gooding in the sort of outer rim area where Thabeska and, and Ryada are. And so that's kind of how it gets on the radar. So I'm, I'm thinking to your point that Bail Organa already had maybe the Farties on his radar, but hadn't reached out as part of a let's get together and coordinate right. this more. That makes sense. Yeah. I think Farty was actually just freelancing what he was doing. I don't, I don't think he had anything to do with anybody else. I think he was just probably they were they were good people who were trying their best to do good things, which which, like I said, is a, is really cool when you break it down like the spark of rebellion or that hope or that we can do something and then this person does something and then this person does something and then they become a group and this group becomes this group and then this group becomes the Rebel Alliance. Dun, dun, yeah. dun. And then all of a sudden you got the Rebel fleet and everything else. And, and then you got you the know. new movies. <laughs> or yeah, actually, well, not the I new mean, the movies, movies, the old movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then you have the old movies. Yay. Um, so it was pretty interesting. So I, I will say though, um, and this is skipping ahead, uh, and it's okay. I mean, we're skipping ahead quicker than normal. I mean, we're already at, uh, over an hour. Um, but it's interesting because you start seeing the inquisitors, um, which the inquisitors were Jedi hunters, which it's kind of amazing. Actually, if you think about it, that the fact that the empire already had inquisitors up and running and active, as little as a year into the empire. Like that's fast. So it's like, do we know, and we don't know whether or not maybe Emperor Palpatine had already had some dark side users already in his back pocket that he's been training for years or spoiler alert. Um, we find out that, uh, there is an inquisitor in a certain show, um, that ends up, you end up finding out was a Jedi um, but you don't know how he gets turned and, or yeah. when he got turned or if people thought he was dead, you know what I'm saying? So it's right. like, it's interesting because, you know, now the inquisitors are after Ahsoka, right? But cool. it's actually a good thing that Ahsoka showed back up on the because the inquisitor that was after was sort of investigating Hadala Farty was known as the sixth brother. And the sixth brother was like, okay, this is kind of boring. There's a full-size Jedi, apparently, in this moon of Ryada. I'm going to go after that person. Yeah. So he actually leaves to go to Ryada, which actually Ahsoka ends up actually helping Hadala Farty out, even though she felt like she failed her, by going back. Or not really going back, but by exposing herself in Ryada as a Force user actually draws away the Inquisitor from Hadala Farty. So, right. you know, that in and of itself actually saves the girl. Um, so the Inquisitor... I, I will say that this Inquisitor, and just to circle back before we go too far off the point, um, you mentioned some of the Inquisitors being fallen Jedi. Um, 
this inquisitor specifically is called the sixth brother and he was formerly known as bill valen and was a male member of the inquisitors it says um uh let me see it let me find it i just read this a second ago um bill uh, valen who is later known as the sixth brother was originally a member of the jedi order at some point after the Galactic Republic was recognized into the Galactic Empire, he was inducted into the Imperial Agency of Fallen Jedi Assassins called the Inquisitors. And this is from uh, Wikipedia um, online. But so he himself was an actual named Jedi. Um, I will say there's also precedent if you go back and spoiler alert, I guess, to the Clone Wars, there is an episode where um, the Palpatine, and this is, I mean, during the Clone Wars where he's still, you know, quote-unquote good guy emperor, is seeking out the younglings that would normally be, you know, drafted in the Jedi Order. Um, yeah, he's like orchestrating the stealing of the... Uh... Yes. Uh, of the younglings, which is actually and, interesting because Ahsoka actually tells us in this book that there was a false Jedi who attempted to steal her. So she actually had trust issues before she met Anakin. Exactly. Or not Anakin, uh, Master Plo Koon. Yes. And that it wasn't until Plo, Plo Koon that she was able to trust anybody that came, you know, anybody that would come for her because of that. So yeah, it, it really could have been, um, kind of a mix of the two because, uh, we have precedent that both were happening, but I do, I, yeah. I want to, I, which and so I'm there could have been, there could have been people that like would have ended up as Jedi's that got stolen away by Palpatine years before order 66. Right. But it also makes you think that there might be Jedi out there who were spared Order 66, or as uh, as Zach said last week, you know, uh, they wouldn't have gotten they wouldn't have gotten Order 66. Uh, maybe yeah. they were offered some sort of deal, like you know, join me, you know, and they were like, Absolutely. okay, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> so, like I said, it, it was just interesting to see, though, like like they're up and running, they're like, bam, immediately. But you know. I mean, Palpatine planned everything out uh, in, up into Order 66, so he, he probably had this started forever ago. Um, so, uh, Zach, did you have any thoughts on the Inquisitor or what happened on Thabeska at all uh, as far as the, like, the seeds of the seeds of the rebel, uh, or, like, the rebellion starting out before we jump uh, forward and to the Inquisitor fight with uh, Ahsoka? No, um... I, I do have to say, like, because there's a lot that you guys, like, Dustin's watched pretty much all of Clone Wars. Um, so there's uh, a bit of backstory that you guys are aware of that I uh, I just haven't been able to piece together now. So a lot of this, there, there's pretty much everything is, like, open-ended for me. As to Right, there's definitely some things. callbacks that you're not necessarily, in the book, that you're not necessarily connecting yet with anything. Um, yeah. But you I'm will. actually enjoying the uh, uh, the discussion between you two as I'm in the middle of it. So <laughs> we're the long winded ones. If anybody yes. hasn't figured that out yet, which okay, th just a side note to that, real quick. Um, I, you know, it's we've I've mentioned it I think on the previous podcast quickly, but 
what I'm so excited with, specifically the Star Wars, and really just with these episodes in general, is you really do have three complete different entry points into Star Wars on this podcast. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, I feel like we're going to hear a lot more from Zach when it comes to like the movie episodes, <laughs> right? Or just you know I other series. But wait. I, I think like I like that in the sense that like you know you just being able to gravitate to different things and it's something cool about the star Wars universe is that you, you really, I mean, it it really does give you an in-depth look. If you're somebody who's like me, who you sit, once you sink your teeth into something, you don't even care how good the movie is or how bad the movie is. As long as the lore is deep, then you're good with it. You know, um, and then there's other people that are like, I just want some cool Wookiees, you know, walking around, you know? Um, yeah, exactly. But yeah, so that it's just interesting to hear that perspective. Yeah, I'm kind of one of the uh, cool Wookiee people. <laughs> and that's all me. I, you, you're I literally want, a Wookiee. I mean, you're, you're hair you're, and you're your a beard. real I mean, life you, Wookie. you are a cool yeah. Wookiee. I, I would love nothing more than a movie just about Kashyyyk and... Like, start from the microorganism all the way to the evolution of the Wookiee, um, <laughs> and then on. I, I See, would love it. And that's why I think you'll really enjoy some of these books that we're going to tackle, because, I mean, uh, this is really off topic, but, like, the fact of uh, the Rocher trees and how massive the trees on Kashyyyk are, where they literally build, like, the Wookiees build their cities in the trees and stuff and uh, how the Wookiees themselves will go down to the surface and hunt, but you know, some Wookiees don't make it back. So it's like, what else is on Kashyyyk? You know, uh, like I said, that's way off topic, but yes, I mean that, I, that yeah, I mean, you're going to get a lot of that in some of these books and I think you'll enjoy that very much. Um, now I, I think we're going to need to skip ahead a little bit here as far as time is concerned. Um, we don't want to go too terribly long with the episode, but um, so I think what we should do is skip ahead to the actual fight uh, between uh, the sixth brother and Ahsoka. Um, do you guys agree with that? Are you guys okay with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, so so really just kind of a quick what kind of happens between um, you have Bail Organa who reaches out uh, to Ahsoka Um via the two smuggler guys and uh, she basically kicks their butts because she doesn't know why they're there. They don't announce why they're there. Uh, she was attacked by a pirate gang and she was sort of disabled and the, the two people sent by Bail Organa like save her but then they immediately hook her with a tractor beam, pull her in. She kicks their butt and really the only reason that she actually gave them any sort of uh, time at all was because she actually runs into R2-D2, who is owned um, by Bail Organa at the time. Yeah, and, and that's... that. Uh, real quick, I love this kind of, kind of verbal chess game between um, <laughs> Ahsoka and Organa, where like, she's like, okay, he's smart enough, he's going to find this, you know, like, this hidden... Me we're gonna wipe everything, but... R2-D2 is going to leave just enough. And then Orgama's thinking kind of the same thing. Like they both are smart enough where they're like, 
they know each other are going to find each other out. And the whole, I loved that whole sequence. And I just loved how mischievous R2-D2 is. He's just like, you know, he's, he's the center cog and he's like, I'm going to erase this all, but I'm going to leave this one little blip that I know Orgama's going to find. And it just, it was just beautiful. I loved that whole little back and forth there. You know, the only thing I didn't, like about that whole sequence of events there was when she figures so um <clears throat> for those of you that may not know the audiobook is actually so the book is written by ek johnston um and the audiobook is actually read by ashley Eckstein, who is the a- voice actress who voices ahsoka in both the clone wars cartoon and um the rebels cartoon so like the voice of ahsoka like it, it's really cool to hear that in the audiobook because every time Ahsoka talks, if you watch the show, you're like, "That's Ahsoka." The only thing that drives me nuts about this whole part was when she ran into R two. Is she didn't call him R twoy? She was like R two, and I don't know if it's like she, you know, you, she's showing a little more maturity because she's a little bit older, Ahsoka, or what? But I was like, she sees R two and she's like surprised and startled. Like she should have called him R twoy. What do you guys think? Um, 100%, honestly, I was kind of upset that I was really hoping just for a small, tiny little Easter egg. Yeah. Like, come on. She should have been like, (laughs) R2-E. I, I, I think that Zach, like out of the whole Star Wars universe, that's what he was looking forward, forward to the most. (laughs) And, and basically it ruined him. So we're definitely not going to get him on any other Star Wars podcasts. Yeah, um, I, like I was saying, I and I'm and I'm wondering if it's some weird legal thing because you know it was technically for Star Wars, uh, Clone Wars, and if there's just or or if they, you know, they're contracted to literally go word by word. I don't know. In my opinion, I I feel like you know. You just add that little bit, just one time. Oh, you mean the um, boy, and, like her reading the book? She should have added that a little bit, and instead of the book, because the book more yeah. than likely says R two, not R two e. But that also might and, be that also might be something that the maybe the author didn't know, like either a didn't know that she says R two e in the show, uh, or calls him R two e in the show, or that could be simple. You know, like I said, she was trying to make. Ahsoka seem a little more mature. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, I guess because uh, I mean because she after. has grown up compared to what she was in the Clone Wars. I mean because she's a Padawan learner in the Clone Wars, so she's probably like fourteen, fifteen years old at that point in the Clone Wars, which is amazing fighting intergalactic war at that age, and then she becomes you know like the young woman, you know Ahsoka. <laughs> um, <laughs> Madame Ahsoka. Yeah, I, you know? I, I could actually see it now, right? Like the the Imperial troopers, like first seeing her uh, stop uh, their barrage with her force field, and then they hear her talk to the droid, and she goes, "Hey, Artui," and they go, "Oh, yeah, we're not taking you seriously now. Like <laughs> that, that's ridiculous. You're that's you're awesome. supposed to be a Jedi." I, I got it. So yeah, yeah, I probably wouldn't say Artui either <laughs> if, I, if I were her. Then. <laughs> Uh, I mean, then again, at the same time, I think it's actually, it is classified as a young adult novel, but I mean, either way, it's fun. Um, so while this is all going on though, um, back on Riata, so everyone is still hiding and, um, 
so the sixth brother gets there. He sets up base. He sets up camp. He starts smacking heads around going, you know, like, listen here, guy, you're incompetent. Smacks him in the face. And he's like, you know, why did you all ruin this? And then he kind of, you know, he goes, all right, you guys have already searched the town. They're not in the town. So he actually uses the intuition that he has to go look in the caves. Um, he goes, looks in the ca- he goes to the caves and then everybody that's set up in the caves, including Caden and Miara and the rest of the gang, they're all there. And all of a sudden they get a lookout notice from whoever's looking out and they say, there's something coming. And, uh, the six brothers shows up and calls out Caden and basically like Caden, get your butt out here. Uh, Caden, uh, does go out. She goes out and, uh, she goes to face him because basically he's sitting there saying, if you don't come out, I'm going to level this entire hillside and kill all of your people and all your friends. I mean, but as a dark side user, you know, like, or we know, like looking at that going, he's going to murder every one of these people. Like, it's just, it's going to happen. Like I, I had that feeling going into it. Like, Oh, don't do it. Don't go out. He's just going to, Oh man, don't do it. And that's exactly what happens is, uh, she goes out, surrenders herself to him, and then. But they all sort of plan like, "Oh, you you sneak out there, you surrender, and then we'll all ambush him and you know get him while his back's turned." Well, he's a force user, and you can't really do that to force users, apparently. And he starts sending bolts back into everybody. Uh, he has uh, her friend Coven, I think his name is, or Colvin or Coven or something like that. Uh, has him in sort of a force hold to where he can't move and. He ends up spending this entire little skirmish not being able to move until uh, finally with the double-bladed whirring lightsaber that the Inquisitors use gets cut in half, literally from, like, the top of his head to, uh, like, his groin area. Cut in half, body falls apart, and then Caden actually makes the remark that she would have thought there would have been more blood, Um, but as we all know, lightsabers actually cauterize the body or the body as they cut through. Um, so that's all happening while Ahsoka is actually speaking with Organa and kind of banging out some, uh, some plans as far as what they want to try to accomplish or whether or not they want to work with each other. Um, and Ahsoka actually gets news of Caden is now recaptured. So that's where she actually goes back to once again try to save Caden. Uh, did I miss anything important there that you guys wanted to touch on before we moved from there? Um, well, I, I did want to touch on the the cutting in half a little bit. So this was another part where things, uh, it just, it wasn't, I wasn't expecting that to happen. Um because it was kind of graphic. And then the noting of like trying to see it from the perspective of, of someone who probably has never seen up close what these kinds, the, the like the sabers do. Right. Um, and for one, seeing someone that you know. Uh, that you don't care for, yeah. Um, and, and then also like, like, is it real? Like, did that really just happen? And why, why isn't he bleeding? You know, like just thinking like you're expecting there to be, uh, you're expecting there to be blood everywhere. He just got cut in half and then you're not seeing anything. And it's like, everything's hitting you at 
so fast and you're trying to determine what's real. Did that actually just happen? Like, what did that weapon just do to this man? Um, and then, of course, very quickly, I mean, you do realize, like, he's dead. Like, he was cut in half. His skin's probably all charred from where the saber touched. Uh, and the ease that sabers cut through as well as, is, you know, like, just this, just the simple, just a quick, you know, and done. Like, you're, he's chopped in half. Um, and just, I don't, and how, how old's Caden? Like, 16? Or yeah, like, she's not very old. Yeah, not she's very old. Quite at all. young, witnessing um, that happen to somebody she knows. I mean, that's that was just uh, incredible. And it's actually, like you said, it's fairly uh, graphic in the book when it happens, um, and especially the way she talked about like there not being any blood and the fact that you know. Um, yeah, just the, the, the shock and horror of what just happened in front of her. And come to find out, the only reason... So not everybody dies there. The only reason that Miara is Caden's sister is not there is because Miara actually tried to stop Caden from going out to face him. And one of their other friends shot Miara in the back with a stunner and actually stunned her to keep her. So we find out a little bit later that Miara is actually still alive. Um, so basically after all this is said and done, Ahsoka does travel back to, uh, Raida. Now this whole time throughout the entire book. So basically what we see, uh, happen is Ahsoka starts to come back. And during the whole book up to this point, Ahsoka has been collecting a pocket full of, um, scrap metal basically and she doesn't really know why she's collecting the scrap metal uh come to find out what she ends up doing is she has a fight uh with the inquisitor when she comes back to Raeda um and she ends up killing the the uh sixth brother and the way she the way she ended up killing him was a little interesting because she like touched a spot on his lightsaber and the lightsaber like overreacted or had like a uh, a reaction uh, and basically the lightsaber itself blew up in the, in the guy's face and he dies. Um, Dustin, I know you had asked earlier uh, when we were kind of discussing what we we're going to talk about. You asked a little bit about this. What was your question there? Well, I just was saying, um, and for just another breaking the fourth wall moment, I, uh, I had, I accidentally got a little mixed up with, and skipped ahead a little bit and realized I skipped ahead and had to backtrack. So I was, I was listening to the rest of this part on double speed to make sure I was ready by the time we started the podcast. (laughs) Um, but I was, so I, I thought it like, I just remember thinking that that seemed to go super quickly, you know? And I, I said, well, it could have been because I was on double speed, but I just, I thought it was like, you know, they kind of build this Inquisitor through the whole time. And, um, but then Ahsoka specifically says later, um, she says, they're, they're enough for me to, she, she, at one point she talks about fighting them blind. She's able to do that. 
She says, not without, you know, it's cutting it close with a life lightsaber. But she, I don't know if she was talking to herself or talking to Bale, but she, she basically makes the point that, like, if they're coming after a Jedi, a Jedi can totally handle these guys. Like, they're not powerful enough to really do damage to a Jedi. But that most of the Inquisitors are not going to fully establish trained Jedi. They're going after kids. Um, and so she was just talking about her worry on that. Um, but I just, I thought, you know, it was just kind of a little anticlimactic, you know, like the thing. fight was so fast. Right. And, you know, and I know part of it was like, like, I know that right before then it's it, Yoda is like, she, you know, it's kind of going through, she's, she's got to find new lightsabers. Um, and she has a dream and then, you know, it's like the, Crystal was calling out from his lightsaber, which I'm guessing becomes hers, you know, like in that scene, it just kind of speeds through where it was like, okay, she, she has some parts and then she takes his crystal and then all of a sudden she has a lightsaber, you know, it's like, I was like, oh yeah, it was really fast. But so specifically the way she defeats him is she touches a point on the lightsaber. And I have a theory about this. Um, so in legends, and like I said, so this, the Ahsoka is Canon, but legends is the other expanded universe. Uh, but like I said, sometimes it's a little fluid, the way it flows back and forth um, interchangeably sometimes. So this is just a theory. This is not confirmed. Um, but in legends, the master Jedi known as Mace Windu, um, a.k.a. Samuel L. Jackson, a.k.a. like, you know, say dark side one more time, motherfucker. <laughs> um, uh, Mace Windu actually had a, had a unique force talent known as Shatterpoint, where he could, through the force, see the interweaving of any sort of physical object and know where its weakest point is and what was known as the shatter point where he could he could send a small amount of force through like Mandalorian armor, for example, which was supposed to be like the most hard metal ever. Um, he could actually touch a certain point on it and put a you know put a little bit of force into it and it would shatter into pieces. So my theory is is that maybe Ahsoka has the power of Shatterpoint if they're going to bring the Shatterpoint into canon. I don't know whether or not they will, but maybe Ahsoka has that power, but she never knew she had that power or never mm. was trained to have that power. So, um, but, what, but my other thought was too is because the crystals are actually calling out to her and it was uh, interesting to know they talked about how uh, the crystals were actually like a pure like almost like an ice color um, and then uh, like that's and then the crystal would actually focus the energy and that's how you created the blade um, but they talked about how dark side users would actually steal crystals so they wouldn't they would either steal crystals from other Jedi and corrupt them with the dark side through a process they called bleeding the crystal and that's where you got the actual red color um, but they would also like you could either steal them from other Jedi or they would steal them from locations that were um, sacred to the Jedi, which would be either temples or anywhere where the crystals would actually grow 
uh, in places like uh, Jetta City, uh, places like that where they would steal the crystals from and then corrupt them to the dark side. Uh, what I thought was really interesting, though, was during this the fight where she knew the crystals were calling out to her from his lightsabers. So I don't know if he had, he maybe stole her crystals from her lightsabers that she left on Rex's, uh, on the fake grave that was supposed to be Rex's. He may have actually found them and, and stolen them and corrupted them. So I don't know if Ahsoka was actually getting her own lightsaber crystals back. Um, well, I think in somewhere, way, somewhere in the book, um, it mentions how they were farming these crystals in areas that, and in the specific wording, I believe that was used that people were taking them that that this the crystals were not calling out to, so it was like they were coming in and just stealing crystals. And so it could have been. Well, the those. empire was doing that in general, but the empire was doing that because they were like strip mining the planet where they were actually found. Right. But the empire was doing that. We wouldn't know it in like Ahsoka wouldn't know what it was for yet, but they were mining the crystals for testing when it came to the actual Death Star laser. Right. Right. Well, I guess what I'm referring to though, is that she talks about how that her, the crystal was calling out to her. And if they had, if he had stolen that from an actual place, like if he had went in and looted and got that, then it's possible he would have just grabbed hers. But you're right in that sense that that specifically was for the Death Star. Maybe it is that he found him. And now we do see at the end of Clone Wars that, um, that Darth Vader finds um, her lightsabers and you know, at that he kind of pronounces at the time that he thinks that she's dead. Um, so it's possible since these guys work, you know, the the Inquisitors work for Darth Vader that he passed her, Maybe gifted them. Yeah, that's a very good possibility, um, which would make sense to why I had it. But all we know is that his crystals were calling out to her. Yeah, his crystal, and they could have been completely different crystals because that was the way the Jedi found their crystals was because the the crystals being alive in the Force would call out to the Jedi. So, yeah, I mean, who knows? It could be her old crystals. But it could not be. Um, but what was really cool was because when the crystals were sort of released, uh, and they weren't real specific on how this was done, but when the crystals were released from, like, the corruption of the dark side, um, it was almost like a Ahsoka sort of bled them back um, or they released, you know, their, the hatred or however it works with crystals. And so Ahsoka ends up with white lightsabers, um, which was really cool. Uh, but another thought I had when this whole thing was going on that it kept bugging me was the fact that like, you know, a Ahsoka went to the planet where they get the, uh, the crystals twice um, to get, cause she carried two lightsabers her entire time. So of course it like, it made sense to me. Okay. Two lightsabers would have two crystals. Um, but it was interesting to me to understand that apparently double bladed lightsabers also have dual crystals. Like, like they don't have like a power supply and then the crystal directs them into separate directions. Apparently they would have two different power supplies and the crystals and they would have to have two 
separate like crystals to project in opposite directions. Um, so just kind of a little tidbit that I was like, huh, I guess I hmm. never would have thought of that, that the fact that a double, a du- you know, because he's not carrying two lightsabers. He's carrying one lightsaber that is a double-bladed saber. Um, so it's interesting, though. It was interesting to me, at least, that, yeah, you know, that they were, you know, they had two crystals in them. So, um, so that fight happens. She gets the crystals back and now, and now all of a sudden the force reveals to her the junk that she's been carrying around in her pockets are all of a sudden she saw it in her mind. Like, I know what this is for now. And she creates lightsaber hilts out of them, turns on, and now she's got lightsabers. And for the rest of the book, basically she goes full Jedi badassery, uh, on the stormtroopers and everyone is involved but sort of a i guess one of her conditions for joining the rebellion or joining uh Bail Organa's group is sort of you know she said like maybe I can call in this favor to help out Raida which they do so the Reb- the you know the 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 ragtag rebels at the time sort of show up and sort of save the day uh right at the last moment when you know, the six brothers dead, but they still got to deal with all the rest of the Imperials there. Um, and so they sort of help and immediately all the farmers are like, yeah, let's, let's join up and stuff. And, uh, I guess the biggest spoiler of the whole book really is the fact that, so when this is happening, Ahsoka then is talking to Bail Organa again. And she basically says like, I cannot help this way. I can't be the person who leads the fight um, just because it's going to be more dangerous for anybody because she is a Jedi um, force user person that the, you know, they're going to send a lot more after her if she's leading his people into, into the fight. So she actually says, maybe I can help the rebellion in a different way. I can coordinate, you know, coordinate actions between people and, uh, she basically says, you know, so she's almost like the communications. She becomes like the communications officer. Um, or I don't know how you guys would describe it. Uh, of the rebellion. Yeah. She is. I think she said she was in charge of Intel, which is something they needed. Yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah, that's what it was. So the intelligence branch. So like the, uh, you know, she's gonna, she's gonna run the spies of the rebellion. Um, and actually produce, and I said communications officer because she actually is going to give information to each little cell that she is helping out. Um, and that's where we find out in a dun-dun-dun, they decide that she is going to be known, her code name is going to be known as Fulcrum. Fulcrum. And anybody who has watched, spoiler alert, the show Rebels, you see Ahsoka in season one known as Fulcrum. And that that kind of wraps up the main story of the whole book, really. Uh, well, Zach, how about you take a moment and just uh, kind of give, like, what was your impressions of the book? Did you enjoy it? Did you not enjoy it? Just stuff like that, you know, just general, general you know, what you thought of it. Sure. Um, well, with it being my, really, first of all, the first book I've, you know, went and gone through in quite a while, uh, like an actual novel. Um, so that was interesting. I wasn't, uh, going into this, I wasn't sure how much I would actually enjoy learning about, 
um, the Star Wars universe in this manner, apart from the movies. Because um, before jumping into this, I was always a, uh, you know, I the movies are enough for me. Um, I don't need to know every little tidbit of why certain things are the way they are. But um, to my pleasant surprise, there are things that are explained in the books that make certain aspects of the movies um, more understandable. Uh, so I, I've come I've come to enjoy and going through this book, kind of learning more about this character specifically. Now, I'm not too familiar with Ahsoka in general, as this might be different than, you know, uh, you know, maybe, maybe Anakin or something. Maybe if there was something specific about Anakin or, or following Anakin and Ahsoka, really both through the Clone Wars, um, through the show. But uh, just ha- having that, uh, being able to see just a a minor character in the movies, um, or, or at least p- part of the part of that universe, and actually having a section devoted to her, um, and kind of seeing like learning some things that uh, I never knew before. Um, like the game of Croken. <laughs> I had no idea that game existed until I watched that movie or until I listened to this book. Um, and however, going through this, I did have some uh, issues following along um, because there was a lot of names being thrown out there trying to get, uh, was was it Lardy? Was it Farty this time? Who are they talking about? I actually had in my notes that Caden is called Fulcrum now. I apparently uh, <laughs> completely missed the ball on who was supposed to be called Fulcrum. Um, uh, that's great. So, but but it's but but this is this is what I love about this because you guys are a little bit more grounded in this. So I just I'm just trying to piece things together. As you guys are kind of duking it out here, and we just tell um, you you're wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's that's exactly what happens. I'm like, oh yeah, this is what I think, and it's like, well, um, you obviously didn't go through this part very well because it clearly says uh, this, and you you said the opposite. You obviously like, didn't read uh, 87 yeah. Star Wars books like Ryan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, well, and uh, I think well, I think part of that yeah, though is the nature that. of listening to it via an audiobook and especially if uh, if you're doing other things at the same time as listening because if you're actually reading a book you're fully invested and fully engaged in that book right uh, if you're listening like I also I'll listen to an audiobook while I'm working uh, or if I'm driving stuff like that and you know a lot of times I'm sitting there pausing because I have to you know, I have to do something where it requires me to listen or, um, you know, use my hands on something or pay attention to somebody. Um, so it's like you're constantly being interrupted a little bit. So, I mean, kind of starting and stopping is really where the audiobook format, sometimes you're going, what? But then, you know, or me sometimes like I'll literally be, I'll be listening to an audiobook, but then I'll start zoning, um, you know, thinking about whatever happened in my day, and I go, okay, I got to pause this audiobook so I can get my head straight before I go back to it. Yeah, yeah, you get from uh, she's landing on Rieta, and then all of a sudden uh, she's Why is she fighting back the, at the Inquisitor Beska? or whatever. Yeah, or wait, is this 
we're still on Caden being captured, but you don't realize it's the second time that she's been <laughs> captured now. And right. you're like, oh my God, I've, I've completely missed half the book so far. Uh, so but no, in- overall, it, in my opinion, it was, it was great. And I'm actually kind of looking forward to um, some of the other books and discussing those. And I'll actually have a little bit of a, I'll have a little bit more knowledge going into it. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Dustin, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the book. Um, I always, like I said, I think Ahsoka after watching the clone wars has become my just favorite star Wars character. Um, I know there's a million of them, especially in the extended universe, but you know, just specifically cause I'm sticking mostly to Canon as of right now. Um, I, I just think she's, she's just really interesting and, um, I just like I just like her stuff. So I I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I felt like the probably the first three quarters of the book I was just I loved. They were they were just I loved kind of the pacing of it, kind of the explaining. I felt like I felt like they kind the the last three quarters, it was like and this may be coming, I, I read, a, like I said, a lot of Halo books and, and, you know, those books are so long. So maybe it was just like, okay, we want to keep this short. Um, it felt like there was a lot of just random kind of chapters here and there. They kind of sped through things. And, you know, but at the same time, I didn't, I didn't hate that either. Cause I kind of liked, like, I liked that they just randomly went to give you a little bit of an explanation of what Obi-Wan is doing while you know, this is all going on. They, they, they do little tags here and there that I liked. And so, um, and again, that, that wasn't a terrible problem, um, with, when it comes to the speeding through, but I just, the, you know, the beginning part was really well-timed and then it just kind of, you know, at the end, I just felt like some of the payoffs were not, I was, I was expecting really another, you know, I, I guess you could say like 10 chapters if you're using, you know, kind of the 10 to 15 minute chapter structure that they they were doing. Um, but anyway, like I said, I, other than that, I really like the book. Um, uh, I just think that, you know, it's really it's it's really interesting just going even to the the movies seeing, you know, can this rebellion actually win and um, just kind of seeing the groundwork for what would end up becoming the rebellion. You know, it's just a fascinating story. Excellent. Uh, Fascinating. So I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the book. I mean, obviously if I've gotten seven, I can't remember how many I said I, I've, I've done star Wars books, but uh, this is the first book that I, that I, uh, picked up and it sort of launched my Star Wars expanded universe fandom. Um, so I mean, it's got to be it's got to be at least okay for that to happen, right? Um, this will be the one that I look back on fondly uh, the most, just because, like I said, uh, Ahsoka is. Uh, let's put it this way: Ahsoka is my favorite female character when it comes to uh, Star Wars. Um, 
in general. Uh, my favorite character is actually Grand Admiral Thrawn, who we will be visiting at some point. Um, yes. Hopefully soon. Um, <laughs> but uh, I thought it was a very well-placed uh, book, and this is something you'll get used to as you go through Star Wars books in general. Uh, there will be a lot of these sort of flashbacks or sort of, you know, because each book is building on a on a expansive universe, you know, sort of what's happening here or there, you know, uh, because this is a very narrow story. It's a very, you know, short timeline, only about a year in the book. But what else is happening in the grand scheme of where we already know where this goes? Um, so that's, I mean, that's fairly normal. So I thoroughly enjoyed the book. I thought uh, this was actually E.K. Johnson's first Star Wars book. She has, I believe, three now. Um, so uh, very well done. I like the fact that they used uh, Ashley Eckstein as the as the voice of Ahsoka uh, in the audiobook, being the voice of Ahsoka in everything else. I thought that was great. Um, yeah, so I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and I, I definitely think that you, the listener, you know, if you, if you listened through the whole thing up to this point and didn't read the book before, definitely, you know, pick, I I hope I, like, I hope you read the book before you listen to this whole thing, you know, uh, but I hope we, you know, maybe picked up on some stuff that maybe interests you enough to go actually read the book because the book's obviously a hundred percent better than what we just provided here for you. Um, and obviously you can, you can do that by, you know, getting your free trial at audible or, or, I mean, I've got a, I've got a link if you want to get the, uh, uh, on our Facebook page, uh, pinned at the top, we actually have a link for, if you want to purchase the book, uh, through Amazon, you can do that. Um, yeah, so it's a pretty, I thought it was a pretty good book and, uh, thoroughly enjoy it and definitely recommend it for, um, most all ages. Uh, that being said, uh, Dustin and Zach, do you guys have any shout outs that you want to give? Uh, yeah, I just want to shout out my lovely wife. Um, thank you for being amazing and, um, I can't wait to see you. Dustin. Uh, yeah, uh, just same thing. Shout out my wife and my, uh, wonderful daughter, Anya. Um, shout out you guys for, uh, reading this book <laughs> and talking about it and getting through this first episode. I'm really excited about what we're doing and uh, just shout out to all the, as Ryan, you said earlier, the nerds that and the ones that are proud to be them, that uh, <laughs> care about these stories that have no real bearing on our lives, but uh, they're fun to talk and debate about. Uh, I do want to give a shout out uh, also to my wife, because uh, if I don't, and you guys did, you know, she'll be upset with me. <laughs> um, but yeah, shout out to Karen. I love you. And also, I was hoping that you'd forget. <laughs> uh, also, I want to give a, a big shout out to uh, some friends of ROTM Radio over at Drop the Hammer Podcast. A uh, couple of guys over there, uh, Brandon and Dylan, are putting together a pretty funny show. Uh, it's a good listen. Go check them out. Uh, it's Drop the Hammer. Um, I've been enjoying their show immensely. Uh, that being said, uh, we did it, guys. First episode. Um, also, shout out to you, the listener, for sticking with us. I do want to point out that this show is a little longer because we're discussing a book. Um, so know that hopefully our movies and uh, TV show uh, 
adaptations will not be as long of episodes, but the books will generally go a little longer because there's so much more detail in a book. Um, so shout out for you to you for listening and enjoying clicking and commenting and all that good stuff. Um, yeah. And we got all our links pretty much everywhere. You can follow us on Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and uh, also, I mean, if you need to know where any of that kind of stuff is, you can go to www.rotmradio.com. And once again, we want to thank you for listening. Stay tuned. Next week, we're going to be talking about the movie Outbreak. Yeah, that'll be our first movie. Actually, just a quick thing. Um, I'm very much looking forward to Outbreak. And for the listeners out there, if there is any suggestions, um, whether that's you know you want us to do uh, a certain topic or if there's um, maybe an issue like uh, hey I really uh, don't like the way that the Zach guy just kind of drones on about some nonsense um, so we can kind of get a little consensus going and uh, improve our podcast as we move forward absolutely feedback 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 we appreciate it uh, so much All right, well, that being said, once again, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. We appreciate you. May your best yesterdays be your worst tomorrows. And remember, don't shake the mic.